Amen. You may be seated and thank you so much for being with us this morning. I'm going to try to preach. I'm sitting over here the whole time that we're singing and I'm like like a baby. I'm just crying. And then I look at some of you and I see some of you crying and then it makes it worse. Um, and so it's, it's different being a pastor when you have asked me to pray for people that you know that are coming and then they show up and then you cry. And then... Uh, I'm sitting here going, wait, I'm supposed to speak in a minute, so stop. Um, But thank you for being here uh, on this Easter Sunday. Uh, We are excited to have you and uh, just to worship the Lord with you. We were, uh, our intention was to do something that we haven't done in almost, I think it was 13 or 14 years ago that we did a Sunday morning on Easter where we we built a cross right in the church service and it was awesome and we were going to do that and... uh, that changed about a month ago, and uh, so we, we, we changed that up. Lord willing, we'll get to do that next week, but uh, uh, as I was preparing and trying to think of exactly what do you say for Easter service, everybody knows the story. Uh, we know the story of, the, uh, of Jesus going to uh, a cross, Jesus living a sinless life, and Jesus going to a cross, and Jesus dying, and uh, being put in a grave, and then a tomb, and then three days later, we know that the stone was rolled away, and that he was gone, and, and we know some of that story, but what is it? What can, what can we say today? Maybe that's different, but not different, and, and as I was reading, the word of God came to me, or the word just spoke to me as I was reading. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 45, it says this, Then open he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. It came to me, and it literally just jumped off the page about a month ago, and I don't even remember, to be real honest, I don't remember what took me to that passage of scripture. But as I was reading, as I was going through it, something brought me, there was something that I was looking at as a reference of something completely different that took me there. And I just read it. And then I read it again. And then I read it again. And then I went before it. And then I went after it. And I just kind of kept reading it. And it just jumped off to me at the page that, that he says that their understanding, that he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And so this morning, I'm going to go backwards just a, just a minute uh, as we look at this passage of Scripture because just before this, Jesus had, had lived his life. He had done what Jesus had came to do and he was born of a virgin and lived his life and he did the miracles and he taught and he did all of those things and then we know what took place. Uh, he, he goes before uh, all of the different people, the judges and all of those and he's sentenced to death and they release Barabbas and they, they keep him and they, they beat him and they're hanging upon a tree and we know the story here he stood or hung upon a tree in front of all of the people the the thousands of people that were there watching and those that would have walked by and would have seen him along with those other two we know that we brought him down or they brought him down off of that cross and they took him and they laid him in a tomb and three days later they went back to go and And it was gone. He was gone. He was empty. There was fear. There was all kinds of things that were going through all of their minds. There was running around and there was all of this stuff. But but if we come into this passage of Scripture, Luke 24, we see in verse number 13, all of these things that happened. He was gone out of the tomb. And we have two of his disciples now walking down the road discouraged. Because the Jesus, the, the, the Jesus that they served alongside of, Jesus that taught them, and Jesus that they, they had been with for the last three and a half years, he had just died. He was placed in the tomb, and they said that the tomb was empty. And as they're walking, it says that there was another, there was a third person that joins them. 
And the third person begins to ask the question, hey, why are you guys so discouraged? What's going on? To which they look at him and go, are you clueless, man? Did, have you missed everything as I fall off the stage? Have you missed everything? It's not funny. You can't laugh that much. If I'd have fell and hurt myself, you'd all felt bad. And then I'd have been viral online. And What's that? I would have. I hope. But we know the story, right? So these guys are looking at Jesus and they don't realize it's Jesus and they're like, hey, there was this guy and he was just beaten and he was put upon a cross and he was put in a tomb and there was all of these things. How do you not know? How did you miss everything going around in your own city? And Jesus is walking with them. They come to the place and they're still walking and they're still talking and they're still engaging in all of these things and they look at him and they're like, hey, it's getting late. Uh, Why don't you just, would you join us for dinner? (laughs) Why don't you come to the house and we'll eat and just relax? Jesus goes and he has dinner with them and he he looks at them. But in verse number 30 and 31, it says this, and it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it. It sounds familiar, right? Just a little bit before he took bread and he blessed it and break it and gave to them. And it says this, their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. So in the midst of them, they, they've had this long, this long journey. They were discouraged. Then all of a sudden they come and they eat dinner and they, they sit down and their eyes become open. But the, the guy that they were talking to was Jesus. The one that they were talking to, the, the one that they were explaining everything to that just happened was the one that it all happened to. It was the one that they knew. But it says that their eyes were opened. Their eyes became opened. They now saw Jesus. They saw the one that loved them. They saw the one that they loved. They saw the one that taught them. They saw the one that performed the miracles. They saw him as Jesus. But wait, he was dead. And we'd seen the tomb was empty. But now he's with us in the flesh. And it says that they looked at each other and they said, how did we not know this? Did our hearts not burn within us? It says immediately they got up and they walked and they went towards Jerusalem. And as they go to Jerusalem, they get together and they they gather with others and the other, the disciples that were there and Jesus then was found right in the midst of them again. And in that moment, it wasn't that they didn't have a clue who this guy was. Now they recognized him because he had opened their eyes and they saw that he was Jesus. And they're now standing there and they were in fear. They were trembling. They didn't understand. They were in astonishment as to, oh, what's going on? And Jesus just looks at them. And I can kind of imagine some of it. He just looks at him. He says, hey, my hands. He says, he says, touch me, hold me. Handle me. Feel that I am a human being. I am real. I'm not spirit. I am Jesus. Hey, let's eat. The spirits don't eat, but I am of flesh and blood. Let's eat. And he's telling them and he's showing them, I am Jesus. I have risen from the dead and I am with you. 
This morning, it's inside of that kind of a context that Jesus then shows, and Jesus opens their eyes, and it says in that passage in verse 45, he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. He opened their eyes to all of the things that he had once said. What did he say in Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 40? It said, for as Jonas was three days in the, three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. In John chapter 2, he said what? I will destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, speaking of the temple of his body. He had told them all of these things, but they didn't understand it because why? He hadn't given them that understanding just as of yet. And this morning, my prayer has been this. My prayer has been for the last really three or four weeks that God would open the understanding of eyes and of hearts. That you would understand and see him. The Bible says, as we just saw, that there was the, the resurrection. The Bible shows Jesus. Jesus walked with people. He talked with people. He saw people. But if we don't believe it, what good is that for some <laughs> Romans chapter 1 and verse number 4 says this, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. What does it say? By the resurrection from the dead. Listen, if, if we deny the resurrection, it is to call God a liar based upon God's word. If we deny that, and, and it says in Romans 10 and verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt, what does it say? Believe in thine heart. What does it say? That God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. We celebrate Easter today, not because he died, but because he rose again. It's a really cool story if Jesus was beaten and Jesus was a great leader and Jesus did all kinds of things and he hung upon a cross. It's a really cool story, but I'm sorry if he doesn't rise again three days later and walk with those men on that road and he doesn't show himself and we don't believe that he is the resurrected king of kings, we cannot be saved is what God's word says. It is his resurrection that gives you life. It is his resurrection that gives me life. It gives me hope. See, this world doesn't offer much. You know, the greatest thing, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this might sound really crass, and I apologize if it does. This will be the greatest thing that you'll ever experience your whole entire existence. For all of eternity, earth will be the greatest thing that you ever have. Because past this life, God's word says that there is a heaven and that there is a hell. And we'll talk about some of that this morning. And I'm not here to tell you all of those things. You're just, bless God, you're going to hell. That's not what I'm here to say. But my prayer is that God would open our eyes and see and have an understanding of the scriptures. That he didn't just come to life as a good teacher. He didn't just come to life to, to share a good story. He didn't just come to life to, to heal somebody. He didn't just come to life. He came to life to point people to the Father. But deeper than that, he came here to honor his Father, to die, to go into the grave, and three days later rise again. And the Bible says, if thou shalt confess and believe in thine heart that he raised him from the dead, we can be saved. This morning, my prayer... My prayer is that just like those men's eyes were open, that our eyes 
would be open, that our understanding would become real. I have no doubt in my mind that many of you in this room, though this may be the first time you've sat foot or stepped foot in Oasis Baptist Church, this is not the first time you've heard this story. You've been in other churches. And I'm not saying that ours is better or theirs is better or worse or any of those things. It's not about that. But you've heard this story before. My prayer is that today would be a day that not that this is the first time. Maybe it is the first time you've heard the story. But my prayer is that God would give us an understanding of his scripture. That God would give us an understanding of why Jesus came and why Jesus died and why there's a bunch of people that are fanatics like myself who might stand and stomp and who might raise hands and who might scream and shout about Jesus coming and might do those things, but that we would have an understanding of what it is. My prayer is just the same. There's people in this room that I have no doubt know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But you read God's word and you walk through life And you're okay with everything going on. And sin doesn't bother you. And it's okay that the person next to you doesn't know Jesus. And it's okay. My prayer has been that as believers, as Christians, our understanding would be opened, that I would no longer be okay in the sin that I'm in, that I would no longer be okay with the people around me who don't know Jesus, and I just hope one day that they go to heaven, that somebody would tell them, let me just share with you, somebody is you. Somebody might be you. The longer that you pray for somebody to go and tell your neighbor about Jesus, all the while God has placed you as their neighbor. Hey, my prayer is that you would have an understanding that your neighbor doesn't know Christ as Savior and they're longing for you to just walk over and say, hey, I don't know you very well, but God loves you and I'm here to just invite you to church. Would you come? This morning, that's kind of my prayer is that our eyes would be opened, that the understanding of God's word would jump off the page, that it would become real to you. Whether you know Christ as Savior or maybe you don't this morning, and you might look at me and think, that guy is nuts. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sure there's crazier people than me. I will promise you that. But I just want you to know from the depths of my heart, God loves you. And my prayer is that your eyes would be open to see who he is and why we're here. So this morning, as we get into this, we're going to look at Luke chapter 24. We're going to look at verses number 44 through verse number 49. And I'm just going to talk and dissect and pull out a couple different things with a simple statement that says this, our understanding brings us continually to worship him with joy. Our understanding brings us continually to worship him with joy. Listen, as we understand Jesus and his suffering, as we understand Jesus as he rose again, as we understand our need to repent, there is great joy and worship that can come from within us. I promise you, the, the, the more that you draw closer to God, the more that you'll see sin in your life, the more that you'll see things in your life that you don't really like, 
And I promise it will draw you to him, never push you away from him. And in that drawing and in God bringing us to a place, it'll, it'll cause us to worship him with such great joy. If you go to this passage, it says that they would continually, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. That comes why when God opens our eyes to understanding and comprehending his word, we desire so much to worship and praise him. So this morning... Luke chapter 24 is where we'll be. If you have a a Bible, that's where we'll be. If not, it will be on the screens. And uh, we're going to dive into this. Luke 24, verse 44 says this. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then open he their understanding, that they might understand the Scriptures. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved him, or behoved Christ, to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And in verse number 49, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Father, I come to you today and... Lord, as I have prayed many times the last several weeks, God, that you would give an understanding to each one that's here. To to the believer in this room, would you give them an understanding and a comprehension of your word, of your scriptures? Lord, to the one that doesn't know you at all, who is searching, who is seeking, God, would you Draw them to yourself, giving them an understanding of your suffering, giving them an understanding of your being raised from the dead, giving them an understanding of the need of repentance. Lord, that they would come to know you and place you as Lord and Savior of their life. Father, I love you and I praise you, for it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The first thought is this, and I have three simple thoughts this morning, is, is this, is understand his suffering, is understanding his suffering. If we look in verses 46 and 47, really what we see is a, a clear picture of the gospel. If you do not know, the gospel is this, it is, it is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so as we look at that in this passage of scripture, we see in verse number 46 that, that it behoved or behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. So the first piece of that was that Jesus suffered. And if you go back to verse number 44, it says inside of there, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. So Jesus speaking, hey, I spoke these things. I said these things talking to the disciples while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled. So again, all that fulfilling, what was that what he was talking about? The fulfillment of the death, the fulfillment of the burial, and the fulfillment of the resurrection. All of these things had to happen. And it goes on to say in that passage of Scripture, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. So all of these things, Jesus just kind of looks at them and he says, hey, all of this stuff based upon everything that I've told you, all of the things based upon all the things that you have ever read, as you go out, this is the, this is the truth. This is what I've said. And then he says in verse 45, then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. 
He looks at them and he says all of those things and then he gives them an understanding of scripture. Oh, that's what you meant back there. Oh, when he said that he was going to, the temple was going to be destroyed and he was going to raise it again. Ah, oh, when he said that he was going to, oh, when he said that he had to suffer, when he said, everything starts to make sense. Why? Because he opened their understanding. He opened their understanding. See, while they were in the midst of it, they didn't understand. Peter did not understand the suffering that was happening. What did Peter do? He grabbed that sword, he cuts the dude's ear off. Because he didn't understand, because God had yet to open his understanding to see exactly why and what was taking place. And here he opens the understanding my prayer to you there's many of you that have sat in a church service and you may come to know christ today not because i'm an amazing preacher not because i said the right thing not because of this not because of that but because you gave of yourself to come today and said god i really don't know but i'm gonna go and god opens your understanding and you will look into the mirror and yourself and you will say ah that's what it was it's what it is. I will see his suffering, why he came and why he suffered. There's another aspect of verse 44 that I love because here's why. I can't just make it up on my own. I don't, get, I don't just get to make up the gospel and share it with you. Hey, this is the gospel of Aaron and this is how you're going to get to heaven. I can't just randomly make it up. God's word laid it out full and clear this is salvation and this is from here until here god already laid it out what did it say from the time of the prophets from the psalms all of these things were laid out i can't just make it up the gospel is the gospel there is but one way jesus said i am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me I can't just make it up this morning. I wish I could tell you, listen, if you did three flips and you did three somersaults and you dabbed this thing and you dabbed that thing, you're going to heaven and all is great. The reality is, it's nothing that you can do but surrender your life to him, confessing of our sins, believing that he is who he said that he is. That's it. Not because Aaron said it. Because God's word said it. And this is what he tells the disciples in this moment. And he goes on. And he says in verse 46 that Christ had to suffer. See, this morning my prayer. My prayer is that we would understand he had to suffer. But not only that he had to suffer... But why that he had to suffer? And it doesn't sound good, and it's not something that we like to talk about, especially in 2023 when everybody is all, you know, we don't like to hurt feelings and everybody is all everything. You know, the reality is, God said in the Garden of Eden, if you eat of that fruit, you will surely what? die he didn't care about their feelings he said if you eat of the fruit you will die 
And he says today, the wage of sin is death. I wish I could make it prettier and fluffier and make it so that my sin doesn't bother me. But when God punches me in the face because of sin that I have done, he doesn't make it pretty either. (laughs) Sorry. Has anybody read the Bible and then you're reading and you're like, would you stop? Okay, I got it. I did wrong. I got it, God. Stop. When he just kind of lets you know. Listen. As it pertains to his suffering, why did he sin? Or why did he send his son to die? Why did he send his son that he had to suffer? He had to suffer because he had to pay the penalty of sin. Sin equals death. Your wrongdoing, your sin equals death. Because I told a lie to my mama when I was a little bitty boy, I must pay the punishment of that sin. And that punishment is death. You say, but you were just a kid. Sin equals death. There has to be a suffering for salvation. Sin separated God from mankind. Adam and Eve went from walking like this in the garden with God to now there was sin and it separated them. When you do wrong against your friend, it separates you. The only way that it can be brought back together the way that it was supposed to be is what? When one or both come to the place of saying, listen, I did this wrong. I did this wrong. I accept your forgiveness. I, I, and we can be back together. We can reconcile it back together. Suffering had to happen. Why? So that there could be reconciliation. Sin equals punishment. Sin equals death. Sin equals I try to fix it. How many of you try to fix your wrongs? I do. All the time. You know, I can't fix my sin. I can't fix the wrong of my sin personally. I can do all that I can. You know what? I, I said this earlier, and I, when I, I used to work an hourly job, I don't work hourly, hourly anymore, I'm a salaried employee. But when I wanted something, I would say, you know what, I'll just put in a couple extra hours of overtime. And then I could raise the money that I want to purchase something. Right? Anybody? So if I want the extra car, well, I'll just work. If I work an extra hour every week for the next however many weeks, it'll make this much money and I can make that car payment. Whatever it is. Sin doesn't work like that. It's not like this week I had a rough week, so next week I'm going to do a lot better and my scale is going to tip a little bit better so that I'll look better today. That's not how it works with sin. The only way the scale gets tipped is when we recognize, understand the suffering that my sin caused. His suffering was because of my sin. Because he came in my place. See, God... We look at sin and we look at sin equaling death and we look at sin and the suffering. We look at all of those things, but God's love equals forgiveness. God is the substitute for me. God is the one that brought reconciliation to to make it happen. God is the one that brought redemption. God is the one that has given us grace when we don't deserve grace. And this morning I come and I just say, we have to understand the suffering. I have to understand that the death and the beating that Jesus took, the suffering that Jesus took was because of sin. God's word says in this passage of scripture that 
that's what had to happen. As we look at this and just kind of keep going, and I went way longer than I did in the first time. Have we come to a place of recognizing that your and my sin or our wrongdoing is the cause of his suffering? That each lash that was upon his back was due to my sin. That my sin caused that. Because someone had to take that and he chose it. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. That is you and I eternally separated from God. Have you come to understand that your sin has caused you to be eternally separated from God? That verse goes on to say what? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Which takes us to the next thought this morning is this, to understand that he is alive. So I have to understand that there was suffering because of my sin. I have to understand that. But I also have to understand and come to a place of understanding that he is alive, that, that he is he loved so much that he sent his son to die. And as we already read in some of those passages of scripture, that, that, that to declare to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. We look at those already a little bit there, but we, we come to that place of understanding that he is alive. Listen, if God sent his son, if Jesus were to die upon the cross and never to come out of the grave, he would be no different than every other lowercase g God. No different. The difference is God, Jesus, raised from the dead. And in that, when I come to know Christ as Savior, the Bible says I am alive with him. I rose with him. I have the same everlasting life in him. As we look at this, we understand that he is alive. I am thankful that it didn't stop with suffering. It didn't just stop with my sin. I'm grateful that in the garden, God didn't just zap Adam and Eve right there. But rather he loved them, he created them to be in relationship with them. And though they sinned in that moment, God had a punishment for them and they walked out and they never came back into the garden the way that it was. They never entered that place again. But there was a way that, that God had that he brought the relationship back together. I'm grateful that it wasn't a zapping and I'm done. Could you imagine? There'd be nobody on this planet. <laughs> Because we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. I'm not perfect. The only way that we can have fellowship with God is in perfect communion. But through his son is how that happens for us today. I'm grateful that in that moment, it didn't stop with just sin. But God made a way because he loves you. That way is through death. But ultimately it was through his resurrection. It was through the blood, but it was through the resurrection of his son. 
And my prayer this morning, this is a very short point, but my prayer this morning is as we have looked that Jesus came, that Jesus walked, that Jesus uh, was with those disciples, he was with those men, he was with several other men, and he walked all throughout. He wasn't just some, in some seclusion. When Jesus came back, he showed himself. We could argue that the body was stolen. We could argue that he was hidden, that he never actually died. We can argue all of these different things. And it's attempted. But it's funny to me. If he wasn't God and he wasn't who he said that he was, why are we fighting the fact that it actually happened? We fight the fact because he is who he said that he is. But it's what God's word says. It is as we believe that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I wonder this morning if we have an understanding of his suffering. I also wonder if we have an understanding that he died and that he rose again. The reason that 13 through 44 in this passage of Luke 24 is so important is that Jesus is letting them know that he was alive. He opens their eyes. He opens their understanding to grasp the suffering. He opened the understanding that to see the, the death, but now he is showing them, hey, I told you I was going to do this, and here I am. Here I am. What's, I don't know, this just hit me, and I don't know, this is probably, usually it's not a good thing if I go this route. But this just hit me. So he's walking with them. He's having dinner with them. He tells them, hey, he opens their eyes, right? So they now look and they're like, oh, it's Jesus. And then what does that say? You probably don't, you may, some of you may know it. It says that he vanished. Now all of a sudden, so now we're having this time, this moment, like, right? We're eating. We're having, oh, Jesus. Where'd you go? Now I'm walking, so I go, I go to Jerusalem and I'm hanging out with all these guys and there he is again. Do you think amongst them, this is, maybe this is really random, I'm sorry, but do you think amongst them that they're going, okay, I got it. Got it, got it, got it. Do you see? you follow? Maybe I'm just an idiot in the room, I don't know. But it just was one of those things that just struck me right now as I was talking to you, so squirrel, I don't know, but either way. They are seeing it right in front of them. He opened their eyes and the understanding. Listen, can I just say the same thing? There's some of you right now, just as, as real as that was to those men in that room, the gospel has been opened to your understanding, has been opened to the gospel that same exact way. You've had moments in your life, literally, it's as if you are sitting with Jesus. You've experienced those. That only happens as he gives us an understanding of his suffering, that he gives us an understanding of his resurrection, that he is alive. And this morning, as I've said it constantly now, my prayer has been that God would give us and God would open our understanding, that our hearts and our minds would be opened to the suffering and understand his suffering and why it had to take place. But not only that, but that our eyes and our minds and our hearts would be open to the reality that he is resurrected from the dead, that he is no longer in a tomb. I've been there. 
I've been fortunate to walk in Jerusalem and see the couple places that they believe that this could have been or that could have been. He's not there. He's alive. And because he is alive, I can have life. I can have hope of tomorrow because I know that my Savior is alive. I believe that he is. Lastly this morning is this, understand our need of repentance. Understand our need of repentance. This last one is really the most difficult of all of them. Because it's one thing to say that I have sinned. Can anybody honestly raise your hand today and say, uh, Aaron, I've never even told a lie. Anybody? Good, good, good. One bold one. No, there is not one person in this room that could honestly say, Aaron, I've never done anything wrong. We all admit and acknowledge that we have sinned. Doing wrong is sinning. All of us. I've never met, never met a person that was like, nope. That's weird. <laughs> never. So to admit that I've sinned is one thing. It's another thing altogether to admit that my sin is the cause of the suffering that took place. That he died and then that he rose again. I could even say, you know what? Listen, man. I got it, pastor. I know that I sinned. I believe, I really do. I believe that Jesus came. I, I don't discredit any of the story. I believe that he rose, he was born of a virgin. I, I believe that. That's cool. I can, I can accept that story. I can accept that I have sinned and I've done wrong. And I can accept that he died and went on a cross. And I can even accept that three days later he rose again. But guess what I'm not doing? I'm not changing because I'm okay the way that I am. I will figure it out. The hard part comes as we look at this passage of scripture where it comes to me confessing and repenting of what I know to be true. Like I just said, I've never met a person who has ever looked at me and said, I've never done a thing wrong, sir. But I've met several people that have looked at me and said, I know, but I'm not ready to say yes to that. See, the Bible says in Matthew chapter number four and verse 17, from that time Jesus began. So his early ministering, he, it says that he did what? Began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He ends his earthly ministry the exact same way, telling the disciples, now you go and you preach repentance and remission of sin. The cross demands our repentance. The cross demands our repentance. Repentance is this, and many of you are aware of this, and I'm not telling you anything you're new Repentance is simply this. I am walking in my own direction, in my own life in sin. And I am willing to come to a place of confessing it, acknowledging it, and going the exact opposite way 
and turning from my sin. Repentance is turning to God from our sin. I love these four things and I'm done. Spurgeon says this, there are four aspects of repentance. The first is this, illumination, where God opens our eyes to the horrible enormity of our sin. Where God opens our eyes to the horrible enormity of our sin. My prayer for the last several weeks has been that God would open our eyes, open our understanding to the acknowledgement of, who God's, of what God's word is and who God is. And for some, it's the illumination of our sin that you need to see and you need to recognize. We need to understand where God opens our eyes to the horrible enormity of our sin. Can I just say this just the same? Some of you in this room are like, man, I hope that that person understands their sin. <laughs> hey, let me help you, Christian. Christian in the room, person that says, I know Christ is my Savior. If you're not praying that God will illuminate your heart for sin on a daily and a regular basis, you might want to start. Because I think there's a lot of people that call themselves Christians that walk around every day that have no shame in the sin that they have in their life. As a matter of fact, they look at it as my sin isn't as bad as yours. Here's the sin that we're talking about. There's but one sin. There's but one sin. We talked about this several weeks ago as it pertains to salvation. There's but one sin. We like to make sins bigger and better than the next, but there's but one sin. The sin of this, the sin of me placing myself on my own throne and saying that I am God and that I have it all under control. That is the sin. So I don't care what your lifestyle is today. If you're an alcoholic, if you're a drug addict, if you're a sex addict, if you're whatever addict that you want to place in there, whatever sin you have, you curse, you say this, you do this, you do that. I can say all of those things, but if you would just stop those sins, if you would just stop going to the bar, if you would just stop doing that thing. No, God says this, if you would confess your sin, if you would take yourself off the throne of your life, that could be the sin of pride and arrogance. It could be the sin of greed. And it could be that of, I have all the money in the world, and so I don't need any of those things. God says, that is the thing. All he wants is you. All of you. And I will promise you this. When the illumination of whatever your deal is comes to life in the forefront of your mind, you will, well, God will get a hold of you and that sin that we talk about, the sins, now the drugs, now the alcohol, now the sex, now the this, now the that, that will all be dealt with when we understand that God is now on the throne of the life. The illumination of our sin. The second is the humiliation, where we lay aside our pride in our own merit and plead with God for mercy. That, that's hard. When God says, hey, um, Aaron, <laughs> do you know you just did that? I got it, God, it's okay. I got it, I, yes, I, I realize that I just said that. All right. Hey, Aaron, it's been a couple days. Did, did, I know, I said that. Well, what have you done about it? 
the humiliation, and it's not so much that there's a public humiliation. We look at it from that perspective. It's the reality of where we lay aside our pride and our merit and we plead with God for his mercy. God, all right, all right, all right, all right, I give. God, I understand I said it. And now I have to go to that individual or I have to go to this thing or I have to do whatever it is and I have to say, first and foremost, God, I acknowledge it. I'm humbling myself, humiliating myself before God to say, I have done wrong. God, would you give me your mercy? See, it's the illumination of it. It's the humbling ourselves before it. It's the detestation of it. I wonder how many of us detest and hate our sin. Some people in this room have, and I know many in this room that have faced different battles with addiction. You hate what that addiction has done to you. But sometimes we look at that and we go, well, that's for them. Listen, the pride that you face, the pride that I face, the greed, whatever other thing that we want to put in there, do you hate it? Do you hate that you still use the Lord's name in vain? Do you hate that you still watch those kind of TV shows? Do you hate that you still say those kind of things? Do you hate the things that are in your life that are sin? And lastly, this morning is that it's illumination, it's humiliation, it's detesting it, and it's transformation. Where we leave the sin we formerly loved, not just outwardly, but in our hearts. Listen, this morning as we just wrap this all up, my prayer is that the statement that's just the title of this sermon is that all would understand. My prayer is that we would understand my prayers that you would understand Jesus' suffering. My prayers that you would understand Jesus' resurrection from the grave. But more than anything, my prayer is that you would repent and turn and say, God, I need you. I don't know. There's a lot of faces in this room I do not know. And just because I don't know you doesn't mean that I think you need Jesus as your Savior. Well, I think everybody does, but doesn't, I'm not looking at you going, oh, well, I don't know you, so clearly you don't know Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. I truly don't believe that. But I'm asking, has there come a time for you personally that you have just said, God, I know that I have sinned. I know that sin, the debt payment for that sin is death. And I thank you that you have been willing to send your son to take on that payment, to be my substitute in death. Father, I come to you knowing that, admitting my sin, confessing it before you, and asking you to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Have you done that today? Has there been a time in your heart that you know without a shadow of a doubt that God opened your eyes and God gave you the understanding to understand, to comprehend his scripture, that you would be a child of the king? Hey, this morning, it's not just for those that don't know Christ as Savior. 
I wonder how many people in this room right now without any doubt in their mind would say, yes, I'm a Christian. I know Jesus as my Savior. But if I just had to be honest, I've not been in church in a long time. I've not read my Bible in a while. Maybe you're on the opposite side. I'm in church every week. I serve every week. But there's actually nothing happening inside. My prayer is that you would have an understanding of God's word. That it would so grip your heart that you would not be able to sit idly by and just do nothing about it anymore. That you would be so gripped that you would want to talk to your neighbor. It would bother you not to. It's sleepless nights because God is tugging upon your heart to to make a move in your life. Is that where you are? I will say this statement. You guys can come forward with the praise team there. When the truth of Scripture becomes clear, the heart is set on fire for joy and for testimony. It was that blazing joy that prompted Henry Martin to exclaim, Now let me burn out for God. David Brainerd said this, Oh, that I could be a flame of fire in the service of my God. I wonder if that would be our prayer, that we would be a flame of fire in the service of God. I wonder if it would be our prayer, if it would be your heart's cry this morning to say, I don't know Jesus as my Savior, and I need him as my Savior. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. We do an invitation here at our church every single week. It's not to prolong. It's not to embarrass. It's not to do any of those things. It's not just a simple way to close out the service, but I truly believe it's just an opportunity for you. And There was a decision. There was a tug upon your heart. It's a means that you can respond to that. So this morning, that response might be, as I have said a couple times now, maybe today you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You came here today because somebody invited you. You came here today maybe just to get your spouse off your back because they always bug you about going to church. But my cry is this. My prayer has been that God would have spoke to your heart to give you an understanding of Scripture. You may be the best person in this room, but you came to realize that you need Jesus. The peace that is missing is Jesus. Would you be so bold this morning with nobody really looking around to just simply say, Pastor Aaron, if I were to be honest with you, there's never been a time that I have placed my faith in him. I've heard the story, but I've never taken that next step. Would there be anybody in the room this morning, no one's looking around, just me, that you would just with, with, with an uplift of hand, you would say, Pastor Aaron, I don't know that I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. There will be nobody embarrassing you. I'm not gonna have you come forward. I'm not gonna do anything crazy. But I wanna pray for you. Maybe if you'd be willing, talk to you before you leave. 
But would there be anybody this morning with nobody looking around that you would just simply, simply lift up your hand to say, Pastor, I don't know that I know Jesus as my Savior. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else that would say, Pastor Aaron, I do not know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Anybody else? I see that hand. Anybody else? Those are two. You can put your hands down. Anybody else this morning? You would just simply say, I'm unsure of my salvation. I do not know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Is there anybody else this morning? I'm not going to prolong it. That's not my intention. Let me ask you. Maybe you would say, Pastor, I would be one of those as a Christian that I know it. There's no doubt that I'm a believer. But I sure pray that God would get a hold of me a little bit more than he has. Would that be anybody in the room today as a believer? Hands going up all over. You might even say, Pastor, I, I've been in church, but it's been years. Maybe yours is just, that I, need to, I need to find a home. Can I just say, I would love for you to find a home at Oasis Baptist Church. There's a lot of good churches in our valley, but we would love, we'd be honored to have you. Father, we come to you today. There were hands raised for salvation. There were hands raised for just looking for a home. There were hands raised for people as believers just needing to have a greater understanding. So Father, we pray that you would be with each one. God, as we go into a time of just invitation, it's not to prolong, it's not to make things weird. Maybe those who raised a hand this morning would have a boldness to say alright I need to do this and take a step forward and meet myself or maybe meet my wife at the front say I need Jesus as my savior to say I need prayer God would you just give a boldness about this room even for those that didn't raise their hand would you give them boldness to walk an aisle if they need you as Savior? Would you allow them to see nobody and not even realize that anybody else is in the room but them? They would just have a boldness. Father, thank you for meeting with us this morning. I'm just going to have us stand to our feet this morning. You can just keep in an attitude of prayer if you would. I'm going to have the praise team sing. And I'll ask you, maybe as a believer, you raised your hand and you need God to just give you a greater understanding. Why not come? Don't worry about the people beside you. So many people make decisions for God and never, ever take a step out and do anything about it. Why not make a decision to make a step? Maybe you need Jesus as Savior. Why not come? But would you respond to the Lord this morning?